What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode one of the Armar podcast. I am Mitch Pfeiffer, and this is Jping checking in. Joey Bravo, what's up, guys? We are the co-owners of Respect My Region. Um, we're going to be doing this weekly podcast on Sunday evenings, likely around 8 p.m. live. Today we're running a little bit late, and we're running the first time on this streaming platform with both of us. So. Bear with us if there's any uh, technical difficulties, streaming difficulties, Wi-Fi difficulties, or any of these numerous difficulties that might arise. Uh, yeah, this whole please. this whole episode's all about just getting through the struggles and just getting it out. Yes. Yeah, so if there's anything you guys notice in the comments, please let us know. Um, yeah. So we can get that taken care of, and we will regularly be having guests on the show again. Like Joey just said, this is us getting the kinks out. So we are deciding to do that with us too as the guinea pigs. Um, so it'll be just us today, but we will be having some high profile guests from us on this podcast from both the music community and the cannabis industry. Very excited. Very yeah. excited. Yeah. So, the, so the, Mitch, we, we've got a couple, we've got a couple of topics we want to talk about. We've got some categories. We're going to go over music. We're going to go over cannabis. We're going to go over some marketing. Why don't you dive right in and share some updates on, you know, the local music scene there in Washington and fill us all in on what's been going down, et cetera. Yeah. So the local music scene, obviously, you know, rolling into 2021, I, I know we're all super excited for the year 2020 to be over, but, um, you know, COVID-19 is clearly still, still running its course, um, on our way of life, you know, live music shut down, um, with the CARES Act that passed, you know, Stephen Severin and some, some local guys here were, were, very influential and in, in getting past some legislation that provides uh, relief, much needed relief to music uh, venues and communities across the nation. So that's a, that was a big, big uh, headline that involves some local people up here. Um, we, the Respect My Region. Yeah. And then Respect My Region, us and uh, All Star Opera um, announced the official formation of our charity, the Seattle World Tour Foundation. Um, we've done two years of annual charity concert series, but we actually have our, our own 5013C and foundation that's officially launched. And alongside that, we just released the Music with a Message uh, series that'll be going on over the next 12 weeks starting tomorrow. Big shout out to Seth, All Star Opera, that entire team over there, man. You guys really helping to bring this to life. It's been an absolute blessing the last few years to work with All Star Opera um and uh, uh mary's place to to really bring you know not only like the holiday cheer vibes and helping the community vibes but really just like you know per leverage music to actually be impactful in the community right whether it's messaging whether it's you know physically providing money or clothes uh food and all that kind of stuff so big shout out to all-star opera appreciate you guys for working with us and um taking the leap we've got a charity foundation man this is crazy never would have thought 10 years ago that we'd be doing this homage no no you know and <laughs> and uh the seattle world tour is one of the biggest campaigns we do and and it's something that we do you know not, not it's not to toot our horn or, horn or anything but it is you know 100 percent of the proceeds go to uh to to charity and so um you know something that we put the most work into that's that's truly for the community it's by it's not just by us it's by the community as a whole and it's for the community both a platform for the music and artist community and, and a platform for us to give back to the community at large and to me that's been one of the most beautiful things is um getting so many artists that are able to buy into the the sum is bigger than you know that the sum is bigger than than any singular individual and you know from, yeah. from our sponsors you know we have three seattle dispensaries with the reef clutch and bakery where, you know, in any other facet, any dispensary in the same city would view each other as a competitor. And for them to to get on board of the same thing, I think just speaks power to, to what we're trying to do. And I could not could not agree more. These are the Seattle dispensaries that put their money, time and energy behind the community. There's not a lot of them that do that. A lot of people just come support me, buy my weed, come to my store. But this is these dispensaries put again the time the money the energy the effort the partnership the commitment to really work alongside us we've been doing music for damn near 15 years to some extent you Seth the whole so many different people on our team and a lot of the dispensaries um, 
ghosted, no response. A lot of brands, no response. And to be honest, like let's not even judge them too harshly. COVID is having a significant impact on a lot of people's business, but cannabis going essential, cannabis becoming an essential business over the last, what is it, eight months now? Mm -hmm. it, it changed everything. Companies are the ones that, you know, they might be struggling in their own ways. We don't know. But the fact remains is that they still put up their time and their energy to do this with us. And so I, I really appreciate the Reef and Clutch, the bakery, um, all, you know, all the companies, everyone that put, came together for this, really appreciate you guys. Mad love, mad respect, the whole respect my region team, man. Shout out to you. Yeah. And, I, and I'll say one more thing about the sponsors, too, is um, I've heard more from the sponsors. How can we make a further impact on the artists involved? How can we help the individual artists in this community out? Ten times more than I've heard them say what's in it for me in this sponsorship. And I think yeah. that that's just really, really uh, dope, dope to be a part of. Yeah, I think that's, that's huge. It definitely sends the right kinds of message. You've got, you've got, you know, I mean, think about it. I mean, some of the dispensaries that we reach out to for things, all they care about is what's in it for them. And in a business, a lot of that is important. Um, but when we're talking about a music series, supporting artists, trying to put money back into artists, you know, pockets and, and into their careers and into their livelihoods, I mean, it doesn't get much more doesn't get much better than providing that kind of opportunity so thank you know thanks again mitch thank you bro you did a lot of work there in seattle working with seth and sam and the whole team giasi and tyler uh, i'm sorry tylee and uh the whole group like it's it's been a blessing big shout out to taylor and all the different people coming together chase and so many names like i i can't i don't even know who's all in the group chat so <laughs> <shout out Taylor. laughs> yeah 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 it's it's a collective of us man and that's that's awesome um you know i think i think on that right like so Talking about, you know, music, I want to roll into, uh, you know, one of the, the the music topics that hit us this last week that is not so much in the news, but if you're in the music space, you've been hearing about it. And that is, uh, you know, Spotify took down, I believe, to the tune of 10,000 to 15,000 uh, songs that were allegedly um, partaking in paying, well, they weren't allegedly, they were for sure partaking in paying third-party service playlisting services to uh, increase the awareness and streams for their music and whether they knowingly or unknowingly paid these services that use bots and artificial things to run up the streams. Um, they got caught by Spotify, Spotify deleted it. There was a lot of uh, people in the music space that were calling it out. And then there was a couple of people I saw that offered some of these services that were talking about it. Um, everyone was pretty silent until it seemed like DistroKid finally put out a blog post on their site that was kind of saying, don't blame DistroKid. Uh, it's not our fault, um, but there's there's not a lot in the news. Um, but I think it's just, it's something to be aware of. Um, and it's for very, artists- This is a very pivotal moment. Um, and, and apologies to Coach Offit, but I was in a chat last night with, I was in Clubhouse with, the creator, the founder of DistroKid. And apparently in Clubhouse, you know, he went and was, um, there was obviously a, a Clubhouse where he was answering questions and kind of put in the position where, you know, people were kind of dragging him and his people through the mud. And he really came to, uh, he, he clearly communicated that this wasn't his area, wasn't his department. Obviously DistroKid is more than one person. And, you know, some very high level uh, royalties people, licensing people started coming in and getting pinged into the group to really share a lot of their, their information. Big shout out to Dave Bobin, um, someone I've been following on Facebook here for the last six months. Um, speaker for UCLA, I believe College of Music or something along those lines. But he, he just came in and shared a lot of really solid game. Um, it, it's really been interesting. Uh, the industry is not really set up for the artist to win. And what just happened has major impact on thousands of artists, thousands. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the way that we've shifted from album sales to streaming um, has opened the gates for opened the barrier of entry for artists getting their music on popular platforms and distribution, but it's the monetization effort, right. You know, going from selling a single album to now what, like 1500 streams or something equals an album. Um, and, you know, when you're an independent artist, right, selling a couple hundred albums can be very, very impactful. Um, but the reach and, and the amount that it takes to to sell the equivalent of 400 albums back in the day, even mm -hmm. into streams, you know, we're talking thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of plays, which, you know, for me to sell 400 albums, I might only need to reach, you know, 550 people, whereas getting, you know, 50,000 plays, I need to reach probably 35,000 individual people. 
Um, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, with the way Spotify set up is if you can get on a, a Spotify editorial pod, pod, uh, playlist um, or, you know, an official Spotify playlist, um, obviously you're going to get racked up a lot of streams because that's on the top of every genre. It's on the top of all suggestions. That's what Drake and everybody else is on. Um, but, you know, if you're not, even how much music there is out there, not a, even label artists or major artists are, are getting all of the music they'd like on those playlists. So for independent yeah. independent artists you know your distribution channels are just you your channel and however the fuck you can reach people and you know these third-party services have user-generated playlists that they reach out to to get your songs placed and it's something where essentially you pay somebody to take the time to reach out to these playlists and get them to play the playlist it's against spotify's terms of service for the playlist itself to accept money for putting a song on it but you pay a person to go reach out to playlists to try and place it. Just like in PR, you can pay somebody to go pitch you to news TV or, or newspapers, and you don't actually pay for being placed in the Wall Street Journal or on Forbes. You pay a PR person to go pitch your story. It's a similar thing with this playlist thing going on, but the problem is, is a lot of these playlists or a lot of these people that were guaranteeing 10,000, 50,000, 20,000 streams, um, we're using bots and very you, low. You want to mitigate. You want to mitigate mitigate the likelihood of that artist's music being trash and not actually performing well. And otherwise, that's how you increase your money. That's how you juice your business. Is you you pad your stats at the end of the day. Yeah, you, yeah. And it's yeah, and it's you know anyone out there that's like, oh, I can get your song twenty thousand plays. Um, you know, it is lying to you because if they can say, I can put your song in front of X amount of people, that is a factual statement. But to say that 20,000 people are actually going to guarantee that 20,000 people are going to listen to it, they have a, a bot farm. That's the only way I could estimate an exact number of that level, you know? Either, um, that, either that or they're going to take an overpowering amount of money from you up front to guarantee X amount of people listening to it, right? And, and that would be a human farm right of listeners which at this point we as far as we know doesn't really exist yet maybe that's and it's not going to come i mean i get i i see on my newsfeed all the time a spotify list that has drake and all these people on it and it's like get on a spotify playlist with millions of followers for 40 dollars. and if simply the only barrier of entry of being on that playlist is 40 dollars, how quality is that playlist it's, yeah. it's that's got to be pretty you know for me it's pretty cut and dry for the artist that doesn't know you know, they're thinking about marketing and they're trying to use get the most bang for their buck and they probably have very little buck so it's easy for them to be not not only duped but just really every dollar is so precious to them and so they see even a small amount is how can i be impactful and it's hard to understand <coughs> true marketing and, and true advertising costs it costs money and you know and you get what you pay for much like when you buy clothing or a car or Sir, some things are expensive for no reason other than the fact that they're billed as luxury and some cheap things, you know, Costco, Kirkland brand can be really quality and really affordable. But generally, there's a certain range of what you pay for and what you get. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And I feel like in music, you know, um, it's different because you're talking about you're talking about businesses and an industry. And depending on your genre, there is that luxury tag. You know, depending on your brand, you not not even realize that, you know, your brand is luxury and, and that kind of cost and those kind of fees could just be associated with you naturally. So I find that all to be very interesting uh, to any artists out there. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out. We're happy to put you in contact with some people to help you guys kind of navigate um, those changes, whether it's, you know, royalties, licensing, things like that. We do have people in our network uh, that are happy to help. Um, what do we have next, Mitch? What do we have? What, what's next on the agenda? Our first well, you one. know, well. We'll start on we'll start on this, um, but uh, I'm just curious with what you're smoking on right now. You're I'm not smoking, but I'm curious what you're smoking on, man. Yeah, um, let's see. I grabbed so I've still got to do a review for the taste test. Uh, we've got that taste test series coming up that we're launching here in Cali. Um, I have the Dizzy OG, okay. some mids. Uh, I actually shot Dizzy Wright a DM earlier expressing my displeasing experience with this product because it has a 
branded version of like an Integra Boost inside. Not sure. Is it Boveda? Is it Integra? Who knows? Um, <clears throat> the weed looked like straight up greenhouse fucking OG, you know, I don't, OG maybe, but it was kind of hazy. And so mad disappointed. I tech, I DM'd Dizzy, like Dizzy Hippie, at Dizzy Hippie. And I said, yo, out of all the rapper weed in California, yours is by far the worst. And this is pretty unacceptable. And it's just not a good reflection. I'm a, I've been a big fan. We, we, you know, said who I am. Said that we've supported him for years. Been to concerts in Seattle. Like, so he rocked our clothing. He's rocked our clothing a couple of different times. Too. I mean, yeah, we got a photo with dude rocking clothing and shit back in the day. So at that point, I just wanted to hit him and just try to help. I told him I was like, "Yo, I'm ha I, I got people with the weed here in Cali that would sell that shit to y'all, no problem." Yeah, so. and that's you know, and that's. That and that's a huge, but we'll have to do that as a full topic on on another episode. The the, the rapper weed and the celebrity endorsement weed. Yeah, um, I, I damn near smoked all, all of it here in California. Damn all of it from Devin the Dude to currency shit, all the cookie shit. Uh, like obviously Marathon OG is my daily, you know, here with Nipsey and stuff like that's my favorite. But this, I will never buy again, and it's not because of like this. I'd love to have a bunch of these clowning, you know, little jars like this. This shit's dope to me, but like, just as a fan. But they don't. I mean, but not as a weed trader. It's some booth, and his brand is very much built around cannabis and being super high. And yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely hard to associate, right? When you're smoking on some some low grade or some mids, and yeah. and that perception of oh, being super high or super stoner, you know, it just it doesn't match up. You know, and so just I mean, the experience. And arguably the biggest rapper out of Las Vegas, one of the like the ten most prominent cannabis weed rappers that you know uh, millennials fuck with. Um, you know, obviously like him and Hobson were killing it for you know a few years. Like, yeah, it's just madness. Point. I, I honestly give this weed like, bro. I honestly give this weed like a seven out of ten. And that's being really nice because it comes with an extra disappointing factor. You know what I mean? Like, was that Integra pack on the bottom of it too, or was it on the lid? It was on the bottom, so all the weed was just sitting on it. <laughs> that's like, what I'm saying. It was just, it was really, and this, this, this does look like an OG. No, don't get me wrong, but it definitely looks like some greenhouse. Um, it's just rock hard, and there, there wasn't no smell. It was forty-five bucks plus tax for the eight. No, it's not like that's, that's tax. Yeah, and that's tough being, especially you've been in California where just obviously, you know, the birthplace of OG Kush and where there is just OG running, you know, there's, if you're in the OG department, there is a lot of competition. People think I'm an indica smoker here and it's like, nah, it's just because I'm in SoCal. Like, if they were really up to me, I'd be mixing Dutch Treat with every single thing that I smoke. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm not. I'm, I'm not physically smoking right now, but what I was smoking on today... I'm trying to even recall of what it was. Oh, you know, actually, I, I had two different things. I, I did. I rolled up a joint of the Tangy Land from Cloud Cover in Oregon. I'm not a very big sativa person, but a good Tangy or a good Tropicana cookies that that terpene in that is just it's such a flavorful joint. You know, it's a good daytime where you're not getting super high, but just want flavor. Um, and then I had some what I believe is some unreleased uh, House of Cultivar that was <clears throat> prime. Prime. That exclusive from Cultivar coming in hot, huh? I was, yeah, I was telling you that I think just the other day, you know, I think that they're really, when we talk about top shelf weed in, in Washington, I think that they're, they're slept on of, of being put in the top for just, I don't know. Like, we've been smoking a lot of, you know, hunt, I've had a, over a hundred different brands in the last two months, you know, probably over 200. I mean, definitely over 200. And, um, you know, they're one of the few that when every time I go back to like break down a nug, no matter if it's new or old, it's just like such good texture, smell into anything that you want it to hit on, even if it's not my favorite strain. It's like it does really well in every category. And there's just not many people that are consistently good at so many things. Big shout out to Cultivar. Yeah, and that, that kind of actually gives a good segue to the official West Coast Weed Tour list that we have for the best weed in Washington state. Now, in years past, uh, you know, the last few years, I typically, not only did I obviously live there in Seattle and was visiting dispensaries and doing all that, but um, we had more brands get involved, right?
and slightly less dispensary involvement in years past. And I feel like the list that we have is very impressive and it definitely reflects some, some of the best farms in Washington. Uh, obviously I didn't smoke any of the cannabis for Washington state, not being there this year. And, um, so I noticed that like Gabriel, for example, was in the top 10, the former, you know, former number one performer, uh, winner one. Um, I saw Mad Mark, you know, and Doghouse, SPR, new entry into the top 10, first timer for us, super exciting. Um, but yeah, let me read through this list and I'll kind of update you as to who actually won the best weed in Washington State. And it'll be kind of nice because I actually haven't haven't read through the full one yet. So it looks like for number 10, I'll start at the bottom here. Um, spot number 10 coming in hot, Virginia Pop, a dosey dose times triangle kush that you actually reviewed, uh, cultivated by Redbird out of Spokane, Washington, formerly known as Virginia Co. Um, so I find this one to be super interesting for a few reasons. Uh, Virginia Co, we actually took a tour there. So walk yep. us through your thoughts on the Redbird by Virginia Co. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Pop by Redbird. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they grow aeroponics, so it's a no soil, really unique, uh, way to grow, you know, not traditional, especially like when we're talking about the OGs, right? And they spray it and mist it. Yeah. And so, and that's where you talk about like, you know, your, you know, your old school growers and like OG Kush, right? A lot of people talk about the soil and how important the soil is, you know, it's, it's a very big topic for a lot of growers. So to take a style where there's absolutely no soil is unique. And honestly, you know, from what I've learned, something that I would anticipate the cannabis to be of less of quality in some mm -hmm. way, shape or form. I have no scientific understanding as to why, but I've just, my conditioning and, and information has led me to think so. Um, and, you no. know, and I don't, that we've had has been grown in some form of soil or cocoa medium to some degree, like 98% that we've had. And, that, and a lot of times when I have like, you know, pure hydroponics or pure aeroponics, it, it, it could be good, but it's sometimes, I, I feel like it is a subpar, right? Um, at a lot of times and not necessarily in a bad way. But um, this one, I was surprised. I got a couple of different strains from Virginia Co. And um, I like do -si do and I like Kush a lot, trying with Kush. I mean, I like two heavy. things that I really like. Very heavy. And so mixing those together um, sounds like something. And so it was just a jar when I opened it up, you know, really good looking nugs. And what really has stood out to me time and time again, because I'm just smoked about the last of that the other day, um, is just the flavor on it. It had a really good flavor. And when like you roll a blunt, the flavor lasted through the majority if not all the blunt which i mean you know as i know sometimes there's some really good tasting weed and you get about a quarter of the way down oh, with the blunt and it, you want to put the shit out yeah and so that that was that's something that really stood it, out for me it's all harsh that's what i just smoked some some really average tasting you know maybe midzy indoors or fucking whatever it is who knows so okay so dosey dose trump triangle kush got a super solid one there uh at number nine we've got gabriel we've got the lemon sorbet number three uh number three being the third pheno of or the third seed of lemon sorbet from that pheno um the potent lemony citrus aroma is supported by a creamy flavor sounds like lemon sorbet nice smooth and uplifting what else do we have next? We've got the Grease Monkey by Green Rush. Did you try any of that Green Rush this year? Yes, I did. And, um, you know, something that really stood, I mean, we've obviously known Green Rush for a long time. Uh, something that really stood out to me when I was at their facility, they, you know, they do flour, small, small, small batch flour, and then they do uh, carts and oil. But something that really stood out to me was the terpenes between the oil and their flour, like their terpenes just match so well. And I don't, I can't describe it. It's like when you go to someone's house and their house has like that smell that you can't describe, like, you know what I mean? Like people just smell like their house and there's something yeah. weird, something weird about, it's not bad. It's not good, but it's, you just have this unique smell. And I felt yeah. like unique Green Rush and, and everything from Green Rush, although it had individual turkey, <laughs> all had this like, I don't know, just that's the only way I can describe it. This smell that was like, like that is, has this little hint, like, yeah, it smells good like weed, but there's something about this weed that I kept. And like my green rush jar, I keep, I kept going back to it. Even while I wasn't even smoking it and smoking other flavors, I kept being like, 
god damn like whatever the fucking terms are the shit is just got me going back for more um that's and that's and the grease grease monkey you know it's i think it's like exotic exotic genetics mike strain um and so you know it's not a ton of people had it but quite a people got into it over the last year it's a good strain and, and green rush you know we had some good fat nugs from them man and it was it was definitely definitely a good a good consistent weed solid big shout out to green rush the guy mark over there killing it uh up next we've got star killer by doghouse doghouse available in oregon and washington state um really a, a highly respected brand uh, what, arguably one of the best in Oregon and then in Washington state kind of slept on, I would say, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. always coming in with very strong genetics. And in my experience with working with diamond green a few years back, very consistent. And those strains were always potent and high, with, you know, higher cannabinoid content, 26 to 32% total cannabinoids, almost every strain. Yeah, they're they're doing fire. They do they do a lot of in-house breeding too. They have a couple strains that are unique to them, and uh, you know there's not many multi-state operators that are craft you know craft. And they that's their I'm not exactly sure if it's families and different families or how their ownership structure is set up. But being in Washington, there in Vancouver, you know they're about ten minutes from Oregon, and I'm not sure where their farms at in Oregon. So it's it's easy for them to be multi-state because it's literally like a stone's fucking throw across the state. But still, yeah. for them to be in two states and be craft, I think is something that's super notable. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I I was a big fan of the Oregon version of their cannabis that we tried. You know, probably two years ago when I was down there uh, in Portland visiting a bunch of those dispensaries when we were first doing the research, and then um, again trying it there at Diamond Green in Tacoma was uh, another solid experience. Would like to see it in jars, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, Sherb Face by Seattle's Private Reserve coming in next. Um, how much, you know, Seattle's Private Reserve, I remember back in 2016 and 2017, we used to believe that they were arguably a top five cultivation group in Washington. Some of their strains, the, you know, the, the Lemonder, <coughs> excuse me, the, uh, some of the Gorilla Glues, remember those back then, the, the super, super um, early days. Uh, did you try any of the, their cannabis this year? Yeah, yeah, I tried. Definitely had a little snapper of of, of the the sherb face, and it was it was good. I think we had that same strain from a couple of different growers, and that they were clearly the the bet, the best of that cut. I believe they've won the they they they've won some evergreen cups. I want to say as well, they've been a part of the evergreen cup. Have they won? Do you know? They might have. I can't remember. I definitely no, when they, we did, they, you know. Yeah, when me and you were testing them, I know that. You know, we didn't know what they were, but I know at the end, I know that uh, I think it was actually Cultivar and SPR were my, what ended up being my favorite strains, even though, I, you know, when we did the blind test or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big shout out to SPR. Min, you're the man. Min was the first dude that ever fucked with us, bro. Big shout out to Min, bro. Showed a lot of love. Uh, fucking next. Cake Donut by Scored Marijuana. Uh, another, I believe they're in Vancouver, correct? Or where are they at? Yeah, near Battleground, so near near Vancouver. Yeah, Battleground. Yep. Um, Cake donut sounds like some crazy, crazy flavor. Um, scored, always coming in with great genetics and consistent, flavorful, and and beautiful looking weed. The, the nug structure on a lot of their product, like wow. Yeah, I think Wonderful. yeah. When you talk about craft cannabis, they're definitely at the at the forefront of uh, and leading by example of what that looks like. Um, and then you know they were really early on this whole like small batch exclusive drop that it seems everybody and their mothers on in, in the Washington market right now. Scored has kind of been on that wave for a while, and I think really been one of the ones to help uh, kind of set the tone for that. Yeah. Big shout out to the entire score team. You guys have been killing it. I know John is a major, major scored person. Um, yep. Up next, Gelato, one of your favorites. You personally believe the Mad Gelato is the best gelato in Washington State. Is that correct? Um, it's. I mean, it's neck and neck if it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. neck, it's neck and neck if it's not. I mean, Tranquil Forest has a really, really, really good gelato. Uh, Sub X has a good gelato, but I'll say about Mad Mar- uh, Mad Marks is like um, it's always like the, the stickiness. Like his weed is always so sticky. I was just talking to you about this. Oh. Like 
you know, again, I smoked 200, 300 different brands of weed in the last <laughs> two months down the West Coast. And it's all the best of the best. And I, it's a very small handful that actually, like, I break down and, like, sticks to my finger. And Mad Mark's like, dog, you got to use, like, Goop Gone after you break down the weed to roll up the blunt. And it'll just fuck the whole wrap up every time, man. Mad Mark likes to do that quick, quick, you know, hang, dry, cure, bam, hits the market with it fresh, let it cure in the jars while he's driving it there. And even and even when we told him, like, hey, we picked up the gelato for review, he's like, good, you have, like, seven days. He had, like, some exact to the day. Like, it, don't even smoke it if it goes past that day. And I, I, I just think when it comes to craft cannabis, like, he's, like, probably the best example because he just – lives breathes and dies like customer experience above fucking everything man i fuck with mark man i fuck with mark dude one of the hardest i man, i remember meeting him seeing like bro this is that dude bro this is that fucking guy one of the hardest fucking workers out there big shout out mad inspirational team self-funded grown done man it's it man big shout out to mark True that. uh up next glue lotto from agro uh, couture yeah, I had that. I didn't, I didn't do the review on that, but I had that. I think when we got it, I think I bought two jars so I could get one for myself. Um, you know, that was a good strain. It has a glue lotto. Like, that's a really, again, I'm a gelato whore. So, like, anything with gelato is going to get me. But glue lotto, that just has a really nice ring to it. And it was, it, was a, yeah. it was a good weed. You know, for me personally, some of the other stuff we talked about, I'd probably put over that personally. But, you know, I wasn't the one that judged that. And it was still really, I mean, it was still some top flight, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to think. I mean, the the, the turf profiles on that are going to be smooth, creamy, and then a, a glue piney. It's got to be good. That mercine is going to shine. Yeah. Uh, second place is going to be lemon meringue from Avidas, and I felt like that's definitely a surpriser to see Avidas coming in there. Mostly known for oil uh, in Oregon and Washington, but coming in with some really, really high quality flour. Yeah, you know, I didn't. Um... I didn't, I didn't review that one. Um, so I was definitely surprised about it as well, but you know, the strain name sounds great and, uh, I'm not a sativa person, but I also know that, you know, especially the lemon flavor or the lemon, you know, I don't know that scientific name, but the terpene that produces lemon or lemony or lemon, whatever, fuck all that, you know, the lemon flavor, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's a, that's one of those ones that just cuts through, I think. And, and when you have a good yeah. crop of that with a, that, that really shining through, I think it's really, uh lends to a high score and experience you know absolutely absolutely yeah i mean but you got and you got to think too i think a lot of people got away from growing those super high citrusy sweet totally. smooth strains and so when you think about a glulato or gelato or any of the other ones that's just a fruity sweet creamy maybe a tiny bit gassy you know if it's got more dosey dos or triangle kush or any of these other crosses into it then it's going to be heavier and gassier but at this point, they're mostly just fruity and sweet and kind of get kind of baby gassy. Mm -hmm. And the last thing is fruity and sweet at the end of the day, right? Yeah. So um, I know as a sativa person, it would be that, you know, I gave the Dutch tree vape, or I gave that one a super high school. I per it's a strain. So that, that's a strain that would do it for me. Sounds like lemon meringue just hit it on the head for that person. Um, and then first pace, bleh, first place best weed in washington state from the west coast weed tour reviews that respect my region we all did gary payton by cookies there's so, gonna be some people that are upset about that yeah yes um obviously i didn't review weed there in washington but i seen that the gary payton by cookies won and i was like man you know that is another example of fruity, sweet, gassy weed. I have smoked it here in California by cookies. I've smoked it by people that claim that whatever they just sold me was Gary Payton. And it, it's good. I think it gets you high. You get, you get not sober. <laughs> you know, you are intoxicated. Your body is high. Your head is high. Um, but I don't feel that it differentiates itself as a terpene profile so much from other gelatos or other strains similar to it that it just, you know, kind of just falls into that category of one of those, you know? Yeah. Another I, one of those cookies. I mean, I personally, you know, when it comes to cookies, you know, cereal milk and Gary Payton are the top strains to me. I think Gary Payton is the top, the top strain. Um, 
And I just said, a lot of people aren't going to like this because, you know, we've sent out newsletter blast where cookies is mentioned in it and people are like straight up, like I'm unsubscribing just because I saw a cookies logo. <laughs> like people fucking hate cookies. Um, but you know, I love cookies. I don't know that this is the best weed, but at the same time, I didn't review it over there. So that's why I'm asking. I mean, do you agree with the review necessarily? Or, I mean, I, I fully believe that they that they deserve it. I just don't know. I, again, you know, Does, did we? Yeah, I mean, I'd I put it in the top 10 list. You know, it's, it's hard. Like, I can't just definitively say this was number one. I'm, I, we, I mean, we have a review system for a reason. We review each weed individually and it compiles it in. <laughs> Oh, it spits yeah, out right. a score and then we look at it later. We don't look at the score and then go, well, was it this much better than that one? We just rate each one as it stands as a consumer. Um, and I mean, it, it surprised us every single time we've done this. But yeah, I mean, I w cookies, you know, the Gary Payne by cookies is the top 10 weed, top, probably top five Anywhere. weed. And yeah, in, in, in any state. And, and, um, and again, you know, and like we mentioned just a minute ago, like I'm already a, a fool for gelato so like where you're like yeah, it's right in the lane of gelato it's not that intriguing to me i'm like that's like speaking my language to me you know what i mean yeah. so and i and obviously quite and a bit of other people like that's when i just want to get that clear but like i but said, it's when you similar. Said, yeah when you sit there and you blind test it which we did it's it's kind of like you know um but it does taste good i think it's worth every dollar every time um big shout out big respect to cookies for you know, and the cultivation team there in Washington for putting, you know, together a top-notch product. Um, I'm personally looking forward to trying that when I come back and visit. Um, I, I think I'm going to have to go buy all the top 10 strains and see what's good. I got to do it for the taste test series in yeah. Washington. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, in terms of the next series that we have coming up, uh, at least here in California, I do have the taste test California uh, cannabis series. We're actually going to be reviewing... God, what is it going to be, Mitch? We're going to do, we're going to do all the categories. You want to do just a couple? What, what, what are we thinking for this? I know we're going to do flower aids and dabs and beverages. Um, I think you know, I think yeah, I think pre rolls and I think beverages. And then too, I was in, I was, in, it was funny. I was in a clubhouse uh, room the other day, and this guy was, he was clowning on me. He's talking about how he's meeting with all these big alcohol brands that are getting into cannabis and he's just saying there's an overwhelmingly amount of people that are committed to the thought that the beverage market will be the biggest sector in cannabis. Yeah, I really do. I, I see that all the time on LinkedIn. And everyone in that room, you know, was disagreeing that was from the culture, but it is interesting. So I just think from our perspective, I think beverages is definitely something we should include because I think it'll be a big market, but I just don't think, you know, when we talk about cannabis, you're not going to, we want to smoke our weed, smell our weed. You know, we don't want to drink it. I, I do believe that when, and, and to some extent, I can agree with them for being so forward thinking in terms of when the big box retailers come in, they're going to place these massive orders for products that already make sense on their shelves. And that's when we're going to see some more supply chain issues. Honestly, when Whole Foods starts ordering and when, when all those kinds of companies like the Amazons of the world start to pick it up and Walmart and stuff. I mean, a lot of them have already communicated that they're going to be involved to some degree. They did it mm -hmm. three, four point. And I personally like, it's going to be interesting to see, but yeah, I don't, I don't foresee beverages getting like out selling weed for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, but there will be a, there will be another shift and it'll be one of those shifts where smoking becomes so unhealthy uh, but I don't ever think cannabis smoking will stop. Personally, it's been around for, what you know, B, I think it was, I think I saw something today, 2027, 20, 27 BC was like the first documented, documented cannabis <laughs> or something like that. So it, random stat of the day, I saw it on someone's sales sheet. Yeah, no, yeah, and I, I believe it. So yeah, I mean, yeah, for the taste test series, yeah, I think pre-rolls, flour, you know, dabs in the Puffco, um drinks and for those who don't know our, our taste test show that that joey's gonna be kicking off in california is uh live reviews of product a lot of times it's pretty much right outside the dispensary um yep. but even whether it's outside the dispensary or in the studio it is the quick it's the quick raw you know let me let me take a couple puffs of this pre-roll give you the pre you know the review let me take a couple sips of this drink 
and uh, and you know just let you know kind of it incorporates like everything we do the, the experience from a consumer standpoint not just how potent you is this or how good is it look one bite into your tacos and into your teriyaki and into your pizza and into your drink the beer when you swish it around or your wine you know whether you want to keep drinking it or not and it's yep. at that point where the taste matters and whether you have a sensitive system like me uh, i'm a cannabis patient by you know, by trade, I guess I would say, because that's how I got into using cannabis. Otherwise, I didn't have a reason to smoke. Um, obviously, recreational smoker now on my spare time, right? But like, it, it's it's just it's a lot. You know, it's it, it, we we honestly we have ten minutes left. We need to transition over to marketing right now. That's what we need to do. Got to get over to using marketing. I just see the. I just looked up. I see the clock here. We got ten minutes before the show's ending. We we've been on this but west. We and taste that stuff way too long. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, everyone, yeah. sorry to cut you off, Mitch. Taste test, tap in for the reviews, subscribe to the playlist, subscribe to the YouTube. Um, I already have some playlists started on there that you guys can tap into. We've got some new videos already up. We're officially launching on the 15th. So, taste test, J Ping, Buddies, all of these brands, we're going to put them out of the test. Raw Garden, I'm going to go try Friendly Farms, a bunch. All the best stuff in California, we are going to go buy it and keep trying this stuff so you guys can know what's good. Mitch, what are we on to next? Um, so music marketing, and I just wanted to – oh, I thought Ricky just come in. I thought you said I, I miss your tacos, and I was like, what the hell, tacos? Uh, we're back on that. No, what's up, Ricky? Uh, anyway, uh, so music marketing, um, we made an announcement this week that uh, we opened up some new music marketing services for independent artists. It's something that we've been doing behind the scenes for a couple of years um, for PR, excuse me, uh, PR professionals, labels, uh, festivals and events, and then select artists in our network that just come to us, um, that just kind of see how we move and, and and promote our brand online and say, hey, could you potentially do that, but for my music? And so we've been doing it for a couple of years and we've worked with playlist pitching, PR, PR pitching, getting stuff listed on different blog sites, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, YouTube ads, Google ads, um, Twitter ads. You know, we've run all of that for our brand and other artists. And we kind of picked um, a small group. I think, I believe it's six products advertising products leveraging our platform and and our network and our expertise of what we found is works and is actual value because as we were talking about earlier in the show about this playlist streaming debacle that happened where people were obviously getting numbers but it wasn't real plays and then now those people's uh accounts are being shut down or songs are being removed so it's just we have spent our money and our clients money on pretty much everything under the sun when it comes to marketing. And we came up with six products, again, leveraging our platform and our resources that we believe actually provide value, like real value. It's not, yeah. it's not, you know, some of these things, maybe you buy and you get tens of thousands of streams out the gate. Some, maybe you only get a thousand or so, but we know that it's real value and it is worth the money and we would spend our money on it. Um, yeah. And so I'm just really excited about offering that out to the community and, and hopefully being a transparent and trustworthy source for, for helping with marketing music. And, and, and thank you, Mitch, thank you for sharing the, that information. And this goes out to all those artists out there. It's, you know, when you think about what you need as an artist, it's more than just make a song, release the music. It's like we were talking about earlier, the royalties, the license, so many different details, the different kinds of metadata, uh, and codes that you that you need to get. Um, it, it's about getting verified and taking meetings with labels and A&Rs and pitching people your music all the time. It's about having the hunger and the, you know, and the drive to get up and, and get in the clubhouse and pitch your music to Worldstar for free features or for feedback or to the different publications like Rolling Stone or uh, Ear Milk or Pigeons and Planes, all these different things. Whether or not you think blogs matter, it's important that you recognize that they do. Whether or not you understand ads, it's important that you understand and recognize that you ultimately will need to be doing it as a music artist. Uh, to succeed, to make money, to be in the business, to be in the game, uh, content matters, right? Networking matters. Always mm -hmm. find new journalists, always finding uh, and networking with more and more editors, 
uh, more playlist people, people that create content that are great, that are creative, that go viral, that set trends. Um, people that respect your music. Uh, I think ultimately is people that you want to work with. People that have respect for you and that show you love authentically. Those are people you should, you know, like our, our network is designed to be always looking for that. We're always trying to build value into that. Right. And even to the point of what you're talking about on blogs, you know, a lot of people in this, in, in, in the music sector will say blogs are dead. Right. And, and in a, in a sense, blogs are dead in a sense. No, um, you know, blogs in terms of launching careers, like the blog was responsible for J Cole, Kendrick, Wiz, uh, Nipsey, you know, contributing to those guys blowing up, you know, they, they, they got put on from the blog era. And in the sense of blogs launching careers like that, yeah, it is dead. But when you look at blogs or just digital media or press in general, it is absolutely not dead, nor will it ever be dead for reasons that you just mentioned. The SEO value, you know, you and I both know that not only do people seek to and pay us for just simply links on the website, we also as an entity pay for links pointing to our website or our assets or our, our clients' assets. We physically have put our own money onto websites for no other purpose than the link, not to get exposed to their audience, not to get a bunch of fucking views or whatever. We've simply paid hundreds of dollars just for a quality link because that means a lot. And I don't think artists quite understand. So when you're paying to work with, whether it's us or someone else outside of, you know, an Instagram repost or a YouTube repost, that might get you a lot of views, but that page could get shut down next week. And then sure, you got a lot of views one time, but you don't have evergreen value from that. Even if you did get a lot of views one week, how many people are going back to every single video from every channel and watching the video in whole? Whereas opposed to if that were hosted on a website with a link pointing to your Spotify, Instagram, YouTube, website, whatever fucking asset you have or all of the above. And it sat on that website forever. Even if that individual article didn't get very many views, you would still have an asset that people pay hundreds of dollars for. Yeah. Um, so I think, and I, I think that information and that knowledge, I don't think a lot of artists even understand. I mean, we didn't even understand that. So people started paying us for links and we thought, oh, this is just easy money in a sense. And Here then- we are way real estate. And then we start meeting with people that know a lot about the internet than us. And they're like, and we're like, how do we get bigger on the internet? And they're like, well, you gotta get your fucking links up. <laughs> and so then we full circle understood, okay, this shit. Yeah cost a lot of money and a lot of time to do this and it took us a lot of time to get to the point where we even fucking knew that yeah i mean even for us we haven't gone around looking to build our brand that way as well and that's you know to some of us that's part of our our ego and our but also is you know people say the word organic and it's like you know the word organic you you don't just you don't you kind of just put you know you just create something and then put it in soundcloud and then that's it you kind of stop like one thing and you're done you know what i mean uh, as soon as you put more effort into it, you're really working the record. You know, you're really, yeah. you know, 10, 10 social media posts is working a record. Is it really, really seriously working the record? Fuck no. But <laughs> like that's yeah. so. But, but even, even still organic, right? Like you pay or you work to have your content placed in front of more people. And then the organic aspect is when those people then take it and share it, right? I paid for this. I paid for a hundred thousand impressions through a platform or a website, right? That's what I paid for. But out of those hundred thousand impressions, this maybe influence, then maybe influencers or other people saw it and they started sharing it. I didn't pay them. Yeah. That's where the organic took over. And if I didn't yeah. pay to get those initial impressions, I didn't set myself up for any sort of fucking organic distribution other than my friends and family and the people that are already tuned into my Facebook group. Clubhouse guy, Hire Leaf, that CEO, Hire Leaf dude, right? The guy who owns the CEO, uh, 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 the cereal CBD shop in Indiana. Yes, yeah. He said, he said, I took a shot. I was in Clubhouse. I found someone. They worked with Kylie Jenner's team. I took a shot through the Hail Mary, talked to the people. They responded. Mm -hmm. To send the shit. Kylie Jenner liked his, his CBD cream. Bam. Next thing you know, she he's getting tagged and then 500 websites are calling him saying yeah. you're the shit out here now and and that's that's the kind of strategies that people should be thinking that time and time again people have already identified that this that this is some a way that not only works to build music build a product 
whatever it is, but it's a way to jumpstart it so quickly. Yeah, I mean, you just you have to get in front of people. If you're a restaurant, you need foot traffic. You need people to be aware of your restaurant as an option to eat. You know, no, no matter what business you are, plumbing, you need to know people that fucking own houses or property managers that are going to need plumbing help. You know what I mean? No matter what business you are, you need exposure to the people you want to get. And you're spending time or money either way. And time is money. You know what I mean? Because if I'm spending my time, then I'm giving up time I could be making money. Um, so when you understand those two things are really interchangeable, sure, I don't pay for promo. Okay, cool. Then you work 15 fucking jobs and you only get paid by your actual job and all these other jobs. Are you avoiding paying for promo because you're learning and doing all the things that you could pay someone else to do? Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's, a, and that's a classic thing is just not putting time and effort into the right areas and, um, and not understanding what the priority is, not understanding how the game really works. And so this podcast, we're going to be spending, you know, our goal is to spend 10 to 15 minutes at the end, giving you guys some good marketing game, uh, whether it's about music or about cannabis or just building brands in general. So we appreciate you guys. Uh, for now, though, this is the Respect My Region podcast. This is the first official episode presented by Mitch Pfeiffer, the legend, the CEO, the founder, and your boy Jay Ping here, man, out of Los Angeles, Mitch in Seattle. Um, Mitch, we have another episode next Sunday. Can you fill the people in real quick and sign us out? Um, who, who are we going to be interviewing next week? So next week, we'll be having our first guest. It's going to be Mark Hubbard from M6 Labs. Uh, a longtime entrepreneur in the recreational cannabis space started and owns a testing analytical and testing lab, uh, responsible for creating a ton of products on the Washington state rec market in Washington state was Mark's idea. Yep. And you know, Joey and I have long since known him as I knew Joey knew him better than me. I always knew him as a CBD guy because no matter where we flew in this country, Mark somehow I, we didn't even plan on meeting him. We'd always just meet him on the fucking street and he'd always have some sort of fire CBD product that I'd never heard of prior to that meeting. Um, and so he we also have some. Yeah. And we, we got some stuff cooked up with him coming up that we'll talk about on that podcast, but he will be our, our first guest. He is an absolute wizard uh, at, at product development in cannabis, hemp or CBD. And when it comes to CBD, this guy is, is, you know, knows how to grow, knows how to extract, knows how to manufacture, man. He's, he's single source, understands the process. So uh, super excited to have him talk about, you know, such a huge and emerging uh, industry. Yeah, it's going to be a big, it's going to be big. We've got a huge announcement, man. Today, the Seattle World Tour Foundation finally, or uh, well, yesterday, I'm sorry, finally brought to life, finally announced the videos, a lot of the content. We've got our big announcement coming up for our brand in terms of some products and some things. Um, the West Coast Weed Tour announcement, we just talked about the best weed, so make sure you guys all tap back in and check out that on the website. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time tonight, Mitch. Um, I'll see you next week. Let's do it. 100. Episode one, we did it. We done. Man, I right, love you guys. We'll see you all in the next one.